Last of all, Hurin stood alone. Then he cast aside his shield and wielded an axe two-handed, and it is sung that the axe smoked in the black blood of the troll guard of Gothmog until it withered. And each time he slew, Hurin cried, Aure and Tuluva, day shall come again. Seventy times he uttered that cry, but they took him at last alive by the command of Morgoth, for the orcs grappled him with their hands, which still clung to him, though he hewed off their arms, and even as their numbers were renewed, until he fell buried beneath them. Then Gothmog bound him, and dragged him to Angband with mockery. What up, guys? Welcome back to Keep On Tolkien. This is episode 11. Today, uh, we're doing another character profile. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about Turin, Turambar. And we are oh so excited. Oh so excited. This is Danny's favorite character slash favorite story in all of Tolkien. When we, when we first started talking about putting the podcast together, like this is what one of the things we envisioned talking about. This is one of the things we were so excited to talk about. Because this story, guys... Is so it's so sad. It's so sad, but it's also so fucking good. It's beautiful, and it's tragedy. It's super sad, and we're going to get into it. Yeah, so don't mistake in our excited tones. <laughs> this is an extremely sad story. It's, yes. a tr- it's tragedy. It's definitely and, the uh, saddest in all of Tolkien. Today we thought we'd throw in uh, an audience member with us. We got our good friend Trevor here from, from Gamer Radio. He's been with us a couple times, actually. What up, Trevor? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me again. Hell yeah. Anytime. Good to be here. He's here to witness the sadness with us. He's here to w- so he the we're doing a little bit of an experiment here in that uh, Trevor has no idea what we're going to be talking about today, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna listen to the story and uh, react to it in real time. It'll be great. I'm excited. Good. I'm you, you guys keep saying it's going to be so sad, and I'm. I'm it's very sad. It's um we we originally talked about doing a drinking game. We've had a few drinks tonight. Just yeah, we thought it would be appropriate to uh, to get a little bit drunk for this episode. So yeah, we've killed. Almost a whole bottle of tequila within like well, within like five people, so it's not too much. But we've had a few, anyway. Um, yeah, we decided to do that because it's it's a little sad. So and we got to drown our feelings before we feel them. Yeah, well, right. Exactly. Yeah, we we had to get a little get a little buzz going before we started talking about this this tragedy. And actually, we thought it was only appropriate. One of the things that we're drinking here is called Strongbow. Strongbow. Strongbow cider. And that'll make sense. For uh, all your sad nights. Yeah, for all your sad nights, Strongbow Cider. And it'll be even sadder later on in the story. You'll understand why we're drinking Strongbow. So, like we said, this episode is going to be about Turin Tuambar. Now, for those who have been keeping up, this is the second of the three main tales of the First Age. Righto. So, this, the first one being Baron and Luthien, that was the love story, and the second being this one here. It's technically, the story is called The Children of Hurin. We're kind of doing a character profile on the main character, Turin Turimbar. Can I, can I try to say that real quick? Do yes. it. Was it Turin Turimbar? Yeah, like that. Yeah. Turimbar. 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 Okay. That means Master of Doom in the <laughs> High Elven speech. Oh, master of Doom? Yeah. Well, okay, I can see where this sadness is going to go. <laughs> So, 
Turin is, in fact, the son of Hurin, which is why the story is called The Children of Hurin, because it's basically about what happens to the children of, yeah. of Hurin being Turin and his sister Neonor. Yeah, and Hurin, we heard from a little bit in that uh, excerpt there, had a pretty badass moment. Yeah, Hurin the, Hurin the father. So really, to, to give good context for this story, we've got to start out at, during one of the worst battles that Balerion has ever seen. Oh, yeah. And that is called... The Near Nath. Well, now, what do you mean by the worst battles? Well, there's been... How many? Were there five major battles or six? Uh, this, well, this is the fifth battle, so six. Yeah, so this is the f- fifth of six major battles that happened in Beleriand. And it's definitely the one where it turns out the worst for the good guys. Yes, this is the one that is the absolute worst. This is an absolute total loss for the good guys. And uh, yeah, Beleriand is never the same afterward. Each of these battles is against Melkor or Morgoth. It's basically elves or elves and men versus Morgoth trying to fend him off. Um, but this this is basically the one where Morgoth really, really wins. This is Morgoth's major win after the Nirnaith, which actually means is the battle of unnumbered tears. Yeah, Nirnaith Arnoidiad. Yeah, it means battle of unnumbered tears. This so is where Morgoth really gets his major win, and he almost controls all of Beleriand after this battle. Yeah, who, more or less. Yeah. Who? Okay, so you said it's elves and men versus Morgoth. Actually, elves, men, and dwarves. And dwarves. Dwarves are in this one. So who does Morgoth have backing his ranks? So he's got orcs. He's got... Orcs, uh, plus a shitload of evil men. He's got orcs. He's got some evil men that he actually got to double-cross the good guys. Mm -hmm. So he turned them. He turned them. Yeah, and that was one of the reasons why he won the battle. He got some of the men who was on the the good side to turn on them. Mid-fight? Yeah, mid-fight. Yeah, they they went into the battle... You know, pretending to be part of the alliance of elves and men and dwarves, and then they just turned on him, and it was horrible. And then he's also got, uh, you know, like I said, orcs. He's got trolls. He's got multiple Belrogs, like Belrogs and Balrogs. Balrogs, plural, plural. So yeah, you're familiar with with Balrog. How is how are elves and men even supposed to stand up to one Balrog? Dude, elves and shit kill Balrogs all the time. Okay. So that's right. how that's how badass elves of the first. I age wouldn't are. say all the time, but well, it, it, it has happened. It's been we'll known say. to happen. <clears throat> yeah, it's not like it's, all, it's all a regular time. occurrence. It's it it has happened. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, so the the near nath, like we said, this is one of the fifth major battles. It is basically the last major battle that elves and men and dwarves ever try to take part in. They right. utterly lose after this, and Morgoth wins, and he controls all of northern Beleriand. And it's it's really not good. The result of this battle is absolute slaughter. We lose a host of main characters. Yeah. Um, this story being the children of Hurin, uh, part of this battle obviously includes Hurin and his brother Huor. Huor. Well, yeah, they're leading up the house of Hador. The and men of Yes, so these are one of the few times we're actually talking about men in the first age. Mostly in the first age we're talking about elves. But this battle, they got everyone together. Dwarves, men, elves... And, uh, yes, we had Huor and Hurin leading the House of Hador in this battle. And, like we said, there was an utter loss. At one point, uh, Morgoth releases his reserves, which is just trolls, belrogs, dragons, and just utterly destroys the battlefield. So would you really call that reserves, or is that like... No, they had them in reserves. It was reserves. It started off as just orcs. The whole point was that... This is like uh, the cavalry, though, right? I mean, it's... 
it's the 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 deal breaker. Well, see the whole the whole point was like after the last battle, um, there was kind of like a an uneasy peace. I guess you could say, like, shit had happened, but then, like, there wasn't much going on. Peace between who? Between elves and Morgoth, essentially. N- but I mean, th- not necessarily peace. There's just a lack of action. Yeah, lack of lack of activity. A lull? A lull. Yeah, a bit so of a lull. this is the point when um, Maedros, who's one of the, the eldest sons of Feanor, he decides that we got enough people, we can get together now, and we're going to take this motherfucker yeah, out. He's actually inspired by the events of, of yeah, Baron, Baron and, and Luthien, because... In the story of Baron and Luthien, if you guys have been listening to our last episode, uh, Baron and Luthien actually are the only characters to make it to Angband, into Angband. You know, inside of Angband. And they fucking put him to sleep and steal a Silmaril right out of his crown. So that right there is kind of like proving, hey. How do they put him to sleep? Well, Luthien does a, a magic sleep spell. She sings and dances more so than she's ever done in her life in an enchantment that puts everyone in the throne room to sleep, including Morgoth. How does, is she an elf? She, you she should you should listen uh, to that you episode. should listen to our okay. last episode yeah. okay yeah so anyway that's what inspires <laughs> them to put together this team because they see that Morgoth is not untouchable mm-hmm. so that's what leads us but ultimately it leads them to a complete and utter defeat uh the men of Dorloman that are part of this battle all of the men that take place in the battle are killed all of the men are destroyed um except for uh Hurin. Except for Hurin. Hurin yeah. is taken alive. Well, damn, what does that say about their honor and commitment, though? If well, none of them ran away, they well, all died? Well, what does that say about Hurin? Like, they... Like, right. N- like, he cried... He killed 70 enemies, including... Uh, well, 70 just after having cried that. Like, so he killed a shitload well, more he, before Well, he killed that. it every time that he swung it, and he killed someone every time. He's killed 70 orcs and... Swinging what? Uh, trolls, a double-sided axe that he sold from one of the troll guards. He's <laughs> so he's killing them with their own weapons. Yes. Yeah. Fight fire with Literally, fire. he got buried in dead bodies. Like, they could uh, The caustic blood of the trolls had withered away the blade. Of the axe by the time he was done. Jeez. But this is all just leading up to the story we're trying to talk about. So this right. is the battle that kind of precurses our story about Turin Turambar. It is absolute tragic. There is absolute loss. Morgoth wins, destroys the men, sends the elves running, kills a lot of the elves. Um, at one point, the Gondolindrum, the folks, yeah, the folks of Gondolin, up. they show up. They've been hiding out this whole time. They're a secret city that nobody's really known. They're kind of like a last resort of, of elves that have been hiding out. And they come into this. Does that have anything to do with Gondor? No, not no. at all. Not in the slightest. It just sounds similar. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. okay. And uh, eventually they realize that we're, they're losing. So before the end, when things are really starting to go bad, uh, Hurin and Huor try to sort of defend off the forces. So they're, Yeah, they're essentially going to hold off. Uh, the onslaught while the Gondolindrum escape. Right. Because they know that the g- it's important for the Gondolindrum to live through this because obviously everyone else is getting slaughtered. Because at one point, Huor um, says to Turgon, who they know each other because they spent, uh, Huor and Hurin spent a little time in Gondolin. So he, uh, they they all know each other. Um, and they all meet on the battlefield. So Fingon and Turgon, the brothers, meet each other. Huor and Hurin meet each other again. And um, they uh, they decide the men are going to hold off. The House of Hador is going to hold off the onslaught while um, while Turgon escapes. Because Huor, uh, Huor actually says to him, Gondolin will be the last kingdom to stand against uh, Morgoth. And um, so he's like, essentially, you got to get out of here. And then he also says, um, from your house and mine, a new hope for both kindreds will come. Yeah, doesn't he say like a star of hope? Yeah. 
and he says that. So he 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 basically prophesizes. He yeah he makes a prophecy which we'll get into in some of our our next episodes. Um, so that's very important. So remember Huar's prophecy. Huar prophesizes that the the savior of elves and men will come from the Gondolindrum and the house of Huar. But so after that, the Gondolindrum retreat back to Gondolin successfully, and then there is just utter defeat everywhere else. Huor, the brother of Hurin, dies. And all of the men, like we said, are are killed that were fighting in this battle. Yeah, all Whatever, of the House of Hador is wiped out. All of the House of Hador that was fighting in this battle is, is gone. Uh, most of the other elves that were part of this, that were following, say, the Sons of Feanor, who were part of the battle, they all fled, and it was just... It was, it was, there's a reason it's called the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. Afterwards, there was a mound of dead bodies that just became known as, oh, excuse me, there was a knoll. It's called Haud en, Haud en Nirnaith, the Hill of Tears. It's literally just a giant mound of bodies that rots on that field mm-hmm. forever. Um, and yes, so this, this is a pretty dark time. And like we said, Huor, Hurin, excuse me. Hurin is captured. Captured alive. Captured alive. Hurin, the the guy with the children. The guy with the children, yes. So the story is generally called the children of Hurin. So keep Hurin in mind. It's about him and his children. So Gondolin is important to Morgoth. It is one of the last strongholds of Noldorian elves that he's trying to destroy but can't find. He knows that Hurin might know where it is. Which is one of the reasons why he wants him alive. Mm-hmm. So, because yeah, Hurin and Hur spent uh, spent S- some time there. So, mm-hmm. did Hurin really only a- escape this battle unscathed because we need him alive? No, Hurin is—they literally could not kill him. Yeah, if oh. they tried. Which oh. he, we were talking he, earlier. Hurin is is the best uh, fighter of men in the first age. But I mean, he's just that good. Yes. he's that good. Yes, he's Jeez. very good. And like, what's when they took him in, dude, there were hands still attached to him. That people like orcs had grabbed him and he cut off their fucking arms. So he's like a modern day superhero. Yeah, Hurin is is is. Aside from the yeah. fact the men of the House of Hador are supposed to be massive dudes. Yeah, they're supposed and to be he, huge. He was particularly small. He to was the, a very to the small point guy. where um, he couldn't actually wear the dragon helm of Dor Loman, the the heir of his his line. It, it, it was too like big f- for him. Flopped on his head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turns around when you least expect it. Just which is, yeah, which is also kind of important. So he leaves that at home. So that's uh, is that like magical not, in any way? It's not captured with it. It's made by uh, the dwarves, and it's uh, it's really good at withstanding dragon fire. It's not magical. Uh, so it's just yeah. incredibly durable. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Good smithing. Very okay. good smithing. Yeah. But so ultimately, like we said, uh, utter defeat. Uh, the elves have lost. The only uh, kingdoms that still stand in Beleriand after this are Doriath which is the the Sindarin kingdom far to the south. They try to keep out of all this stuff. They weren't even really part of this battle. Uh, Nargothrond, which is a Noldorian kingdom, but they also are kind of trying to keep to themselves. Well, they were... So the the two the reason why Dwaryath and uh, Nargothrond didn't show up is because they were superheated at uh, Kelegorm and Kurafin. Yeah, if you listen to the Baron and Luthien stuff that we we're talking about, you'll understand why they didn't want to join Kelegorm and Kurafin's team. Those two are dicks. Yeah, but a small, a small group... Uh, of um, of Nargothrond uh, elves did fight in the war, and uh, they were led by Gwyndor. But nonetheless, like we said, at the end, utter defeat. 
uh, Hurin is taken captive into Angband to be questioned by Morgoth directly. And as you may imagine, uh, Hurin's a pretty feisty guy. He's very small, but he's a hell of a fighter. They couldn't even kill him. Does he have short man syndrome? You might say that. You might say that because he's way more ferocious than his brother even. And his but brother's a normal size. Is he ferocious just like in the terms of battle or is he ferocious like in everything? Like Well, they just called him Turin the Steadfast. Oh, that, well, that totally doesn't imply that he could have sort of short man syndrome. <laughs> he's, he's, just, he's just stubborn, yeah. He's, he's stubborn as hell. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Yeah, he's stubborn as hell. So Melkor tries to question him about the location of Gondolin. And essentially, Hurin is just like, no, obviously I'm not going to tell you this. Why would I ever tell you this? You are Melkor. Like, you would not honor your word, even if I tried. There's a quote, actually, from, from the Silmarillion that we wanted to read out to you that it's a little bit of a, a dialogue can so I what Huron says. Can I can I ask one question? Yes. How do you guys propose that uh, Morgoth does his interrogations? Like, what 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 methods do you think he uses? I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's not like you know dialogue or anything, but like, what? Well, I'm sure he makes you quite physically uncomfortable, well, as like, in he well, beats the shit out of you so beforehand. Well, is he just like does he just use violence? Like, does he use mind games? Like, oh yeah, no, I, all I'd that, imagine. I, I don't know. I'm thinking like I'm relating this to like uh like the most recent Star Wars movies where like uh. When Kylo Ren has, uh, um, oh my God, I can't remember her name, but she he's got her in the chair and he's trying to use like mind control and stuff like that. Like, do they sure. do anything like that? Well, you'll you see think? here. You'll see here in a minute. Yeah, so he does something kind of yeah. strange. So watch and watch and listen. Well, We've barely started this story at this point. Sure. No, I just I just want to know how he tortures people. Let's find out. You'll see. Is, let's find out. That's kind of the the whole story, Trevor, is how he tortures Huron. Yes. Literally. The whole story is him torturing. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yes. So so my this question is going to be the whole thing. Yes. Exactly. Yes. All right. Yes. Yeah. It's so going to be the whole thing. I'm excited. Let's Moving go. forward. <laughs> let's go. So as Melkor is trying to get this out of Huron, Huron says no, and he says to Melkor, "Blind you are, Morgoth Bauglir." And blind shall ever be, seeing only the dark. You know not what rules the hearts of men, and if you knew, you could not give it. But a fool is he who accepts what Morgoth offers. You will take first the price, and then withhold the promise. And I should get only death if I told you what you ask. And from there on, he, he continues to basically mock Melkor to, to his, his fucking face. face and yeah. mind you, this is basically Satan incarnate. He is everything evil and makes everything evil in this world. Yeah, and Hurin is just like, fuck you, man. Well, that's all Melkor wants, right? His discord. That's all he wants is, yeah. Oh, is and he's, oh. He's and he gets it. it. He's yeah, yeah. It. Oh, I'm sure he gets it, but he just wants discord. So Melkor he, he's is. A, he's a Maiar. Yeah. yeah. No, he's, no. A, he's, a Valar. he's a Valar. Oh, he's, he's a Valar. He's the highest tier. Oh, Okay, yeah. he's one of the Valar. Aside from Ilavatar, the one god himself, he is uh, right, Melkor he is of of the, of the highest. He's, tier. And he's, he's the he's mightiest the one of the of vice them. presidents, yeah. if you will. Correct. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So as punishment, Melkor is obviously upset about this. He takes Hurin, and they go up to the peaks of Thangaradrum. Thangaradrum being uh, three mountain peaks at the top of Angband, the Melkor's holdout. Okay. He makes a chair of stone there for Hurin and puts Hurin on the stone chair and puts a curse on him so he can not only not leave this chair, but Hurin also has far sight, so he can see everything that's going on over the land right now. And Melkor says to him, I am cursing you, your wife, and all of your descendants, and you will sit here and watch their lives and how my hate follows. Yeah. He's basically like putting a curse on everybody. And you're going to sit and watch, dude. And that is the last we actually hear from Hurin for quite some time. For quite some time. 
So he literally go like because he because Melkor cannot get what he wants. He's inflicting like one of the worst kinds of pain you could oh, yeah. somebody. Oh, yeah. Melkor has and that's, other and that's knowledge yeah. of despair. Exactly, Trevor. And knowledge is like what we learned from Tolkien. Knowledge is kind of a double-edged sword, and you, you kind of see that. Oh here. yeah, no, it yeah. always is. Yeah. yeah. Mind yeah. you, Melkor has other plans to get what he wants anyway. But now he's just b- hell bent on destroying this man and his family. Just fucking up the house of Hador. So now we've got Hurin, who's gone. They don't know after the battle. No one knows what happens to Hurin. They assume that Hurin's dead. Mm-hmm. And back in Dorloman, which is where Hurin and his family are from, this is where we first meet Turin as a child. Turin being Hurin's son, the only son. What is the timeline we got going here? This you can consider this directly after the battle. Well, he's there's, well, a, there's I mean a little bit of the story when Turin is a child before the battle, and then his dad goes off to war. Okay, so I, so like children of of Hurin at this point, so like Hurin is captured and stuff. So most of this stuff takes place from the be- like kind of the early stages of all his children's lives, or correct? Are some of them? Yeah. They're children. They are, in fact, very young. They're children. very young. They're all really young. Yes. Okay. In, in fact, fr- uh, oh. he so he leaves behind uh, Turin uh, and a younger um, sister. Are there only two. Um, yeah. So children well, of Hurin is really just all after two kids? Yep. Okay. Well, well, one of them is named Lalaith. They call her Laughter. She actually dies early on in the story. She dies of a plague. That was a result of of, Angband. of the Battle of a Number Tears. Yeah, it came from Angband, and it killed her. And Turin actually got really sick, too, and it almost killed him, but it didn't. So this could have been less sad. Well, it's, it's, it's starting it's off. It's not going to get any less. It's sad. not going to get well, any less. Sad. I mean, like if they died early, there'd be less despair to go I around. Mean, right? I, I guess. <laughs> yes. I guess you could look at it that way. <laughs> and uh, so Turin actually, he or uh, excuse me, Hurin left. Uh, also, um, his wife Morwen was pregnant when he left. Um, so there's also a uh, a another baby girl that's soon to come. Yes. Yeah, so basically, when all is said and done. Uh, Hurin is stuck on Thangaradrim. The battle is done. They think everyone's gone and dead. Um, you've still got Turin as a child at home with his mother, Morwen. And like we mentioned, his younger Turin's younger sister, Lelieth, has now died of a plague. That was actually the result of the major battle that just happened. Um, now, obviously, things are not good at this point after the battle was lost. Some of those evil men that betrayed... The Union. The, the Easterlings. Yeah, the, so the Easterlings, the evil men that betrayed the, the good folks of the battle, actually came and took Dorloman for themselves. Yeah, they were given Dorloman as, uh, as a price, basically, for betraying. Right. Their so where this was normally, you know, the land of the House of Hador, a peaceful place, now the evil men, the Easterlings, have now come and taken it and enslaved the House of Hador. And Turin's mother, Morwen, hides him. Doesn't want him to get killed. Doesn't want him to right. become a thrall. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time Turin is, I think it's sixteen. Is that so? He was. He's. Uh, he's eight years old when he's eight years old when she sends him away. Oh, excuse me, half yeah. that. So when he's eight years old, she finally uh, sends him off out of Dorloman because she doesn't want him around. She sends him down to Doriath. Doriath, being the Cinderin kingdom of elves that try to stay out of. Everything related to Morgoth. So that's a pretty good place to send them. They've got the girdle of Melian keeping out evil. That's a pretty good place to send your son. Mm-hmm. And so like she's this, is, this is like one of the first sad moments of Tura's life because he gets sent away, and his mo- from aw- away from his mother, 
and his soon to be born sister. Right. He doesn't understand he quite doesn't everything understand that's why going he on. He has to go. He just knows he has to. And after he leaves and goes to Doriath, uh, his second sister is born, so he never got to meet her. Um, but nonetheless, he goes to Doriath, and King Thingal there accepts him graciously and fosters him almost as a son. And he grows there. And by the time, here's where he turns 16. By the time he turns 16, they allow him to start going out and start hunting yeah, with hunting some of the other, the with some <coughs> of the elves and On such. the marches of Doria, mm-hmm. yeah. And fighting some of the orcs, because obviously they've got orc problems now that Melkor won that war. Mm-hmm. There's just orcs running around all over the place. And this is where we, uh, <coughs> this is where we meet um, Beleg for the first, this is when Beleg uh, becomes friends. Beleg Kuthalian. Um, becomes friends with... Yeah. Why is he important? So one of the main characters He's in this story is going to be an elf known as Beleg Strongbow, also called Beleg oh, Kuthalion. So, so Strongbow. He's Strongbow, the reason why. yes, yeah. the cider. We're drinking Kuthalion, We're folks. drinking Kuthalion Cheers. cider. Cheers. So Beleg Strongbow is a very good friend, actually, to Turin. Um, when Turin is old enough, they finally allow him to start going out on hunts with Beleg Strongbow, uh, going out and hunting for food, getting rid of orcs, because there's obviously orc problems everywhere. And he, he grows quite strong and becomes a very good hunter. Um, well, and he's fucking huge. Like yeah, he, Turin is not <coughs> like his father, Hurin. No, he is like the men of Hador. He He's a perfect blend of, so like, uh, <coughs> Morwen's mother is said to be the most beautiful of all the mortal women that has ever lived. And uh, she's of the house of Beor, and she married into the house of Hador, who are huge men of, <laughs> of yeah. Hithlos. So these are so all we've different. We've got big, beautiful people. Yes. So yeah, Turin, Turin is supposed to be an incredibly beautiful man. He's a very large person. He's very strong and very swift. He's not just clunky. He's a very swift guy. He's got very dark, sleek hair. So when you say large, we're talking like six five, buff as fuck. Right. Yeah, like it, like well over six feet tall, very strong, um, a very. Big man, the monster. Yeah, he's a yes, monster. Yes, he's he's and a he, he's uh, he's taught to fight by the elves of Doria. Which, if anyone's going to teach you how to fight, yeah, the elves r- know r- what's right. up. The elves know what's up. You said they've taken a Balrog, so right, right, <laughs> yeah. Now, as he's being raised in Doriath, uh, there's there's also a character in Doriath who's who's on the king's court. He's one of the king's advisors. Uh, this guy's name is Cyrus. And he is, um, Cyrus is actually a green elf. Um, he is from, he's living in Doriath for some reason, um, but he's not of the elves of Doriath. But he is a trusted um, advisor to King Thingol. Cyrus? Yes, Cyrus. his name is Cyrus. Cyrus. And what you really need to know is Cyrus doesn't like him. Cyrus doesn't yeah, like Turin. really hates Turin. He doesn't like him for a host of reasons. I mean, mainly you could consider it a race thing. He doesn't like that he's a man and yeah. that uh, King Thingol is so favorable of this random man that so he's jealous you might say that um but ultimately they they get into a lot of issues because king thingol really likes turin Mm -hmm. and takes his word as well as advice and and uh we one day turin is coming back from the north marches of doriath and he is uh he's been in the wild for a long time so his gear is all fucked up his uh his hair is long his beard is unkempt you know so he's uh He's sort of a man at this point, but not fully a man. So he he looks really raggedy. And so Cyrus, they're sitting there, dra- they're sitting there drinking and eating. And Cyrus says something along the lines of, uh, um, "If the women of Hithlum are as unkempt as the men, do they run as deers clad only in their hair?" 
Oh, I mean, and then pisses off Turin. That'd be, mm. I mean, that'd be kind of hot, right? <laughs> yeah, well, Turin obvi- takes... Obviously meant to be insulting. Yes. Right, right, right. Turin takes great offense to it and actually picks up a drinking goblet, throws it at his fucking face... Hits him? And breaks his jaw. Ooh, yeah. breaks his jaw. Breaks his jaw. He's okay. a, like we said, he's, Turin's a big guy. Turin's very... <laughs> yeah, he's a big guy, he's angry. And he stands up for what he w- believes in. Yeah. All right. So you make a crack about the women of Hithlum... He's yeah. going to break your fucking jaw for it. Oh, yeah. And he does. And he does. God, I want to know what happens when you make worse than a crack. <sighs> You'll see. <laughs> well, so eventually this leads to a scuffle between the two where Turin ends up legitimately, accidentally killing the man. He kills oh, him. Oh, yeah. This is actually he, hold really... Hold uh, Kills Sirius? So yes. Cyrus. So Cyrus. Turin, Cyrus. Uh, what happens is... This is a really funny story, actually. Oh. So Turin is coming out of... Uh, He's coming out of like a, a building one day, and Cyrus jumps uh, like on him, tries to kill him, and then uh, Turin obviously easily overpowers this dude, and then strips him naked of all his gear, and he's like, "Run, bitch!" and he starts poking him in the butt with his sword, until he runs, and he basically gets to this ravine where it's too far to jump, but the guy's too scared to realize that, and he jumps and gets killed on the rocks. So, so Turin didn't. Tell him you need to jump, or I'll poke you in the ass. No, he was literally just trying to terrify him, right? Because oh. the guy's been a major dick. Believe me, it's been deserved up until this point. Yeah, he's basically trying to humiliate him, and it goes wrong, and he gets killed. So at this point, Turin un- knows that someone has died, and he genuinely believes that the elves are going to blame him for it. He definitely, th- even though it was an accident, the guy jumped and ended up dying. There, he genuinely believes. That the elves of Doriath are going to blame him for it, and they're going to hate him for it. Total accident, though. Total accident. And before he even gives the elves time to consider the situation, he Turin basically—I don't want to say he gets scared, but he—he he leaves. Yeah, he leaves. He doesn't like, want to deal with it. They're basically like, "We have to go talk to the king about this." And Turin is a prideful guy. He's very prideful. He's very prideful, and he says he's basically like, "No, they'll never understand. I'm not one of you guys." I'll be killed for this, or I'll be captured for this, and I'm not going down that way. So he leaves, Doria. He leaves altogether. And uh, when he leaves, he ends up going out into the wild. And, I mean, granted, he is a very capable man, and he ends up coming across a band of outlaws, a band of men, on the uh, the outskirts of Doria. I think it's in the for- right outside the forest of Brethel, right? Right. Brethel? Brethel, is a, it's, yeah. a, it's another location. It's a forest very close to the kingdom of Doria. Is it magical or cool in any way? No, it's it's inhabited by uh, the men of the House of Haleth. Mm-hmm. A forest inhabited by yeah, them? Yeah, the elves... The elves Do they have like a kingdom in there or what? Oh, it's a, it's they a, have a lordship. Yeah. yeah. The elves kind of gave this section of the forest to so them. Like, we'll let you live here if you want to help us defend the border do, on that Do end. they have like a, That's like a legit thing. settlement? Yeah. Yeah, there's, oh, yeah. There's there, but the, the thing to realize is that the men in the First Age have no kings. They have lords because their kings are the high king of the Noldor. Sure, sure. Right. So like they they worship they they, they worship they play they they pledge fealty to the kings of the Noldor. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm I'm kind of thinking like you're saying forest. The only uh, uh, forest kingdom like things that I've ever seen is like for the elves. You yeah, know? right. But you know, is, like yeah, where they go to the and generally, the generally these forests would kind of belong to the elves. It's kind of on the outskirts of their land. So the elves graciously let the men live there if the men agree to kind of like team up with them and defend their borders. Sure, I guess, I guess, I guess, anyway. I'm, what I'm getting at is like, is there a kingdom inside of this forest? Like, one is like, like it's like a legitimate settlement. They've got buildings and stuff. And then like, two is it as cool as say, um, 
uh, Rivendell. Oh God, no, no. Well, I mean, no. obviously it's not as elegant, but I mean, like no. I mean, it's probably a bunch of wooden so houses and shit, the like men- shacks and okay, stuff. Okay, I want to just say that obviously the men's dwellings in this forest are nothing like Rivendell. However, no, they're woodsmen. Like they live right, in long they're cabins woodsmen. Stuff, However, yeah. the kingdom of Doriath in general, their capital Menegroth, is more than you could ever imagine. Rivendell cooler, would ever be cooler than it's Rivendell. way cooler than Rivendell. So these guys are cooler, but they are choosing to not be as? Well, they're not allowed to go live with the elves. Right, well, they wouldn't live with the elves, but you're saying this other kingdom, that's a, a kingdom of men, right? Yes, yeah, so the men are just living as woodsmen in shacks. Okay. Yeah, they're they're not super fancy. They just like to... Sure. So I, I just like I like knowing kind of like what they're working with, you know? Yeah. And so so uh, he joins up with this uh, group of outlaws outside the Thor- forest of Brethiel. And uh, he starts calling himself Nathan, which means the wronged. Because at this point, he generally believes he's been wronged by this, you know, the series of events that happened with this elf that accidentally got killed. This elf was being a dick to him, and then when he finally confronted the guy, the guy accidentally went and ran off a cliff. And now he generally believes that the elves of Doriath don't like him, so he feels as though he's been wronged. Okay. Now, during this time, he actually becomes the leader of this group of outlaws and actually stops them from doing some of the bad outlaw things. They yeah, stop he pillaging kinda, he and kinda, raping. Yeah, he kind of turns their energy toward, like, the orcs. Yeah, because like, God knows there are plenty of orcs to be to be killed to at this To be killed point. and plundered. So by the time he becomes the leader of this band of uh, outlaws, they actually end up going around and just killing orcs. And it's, it's actually a pretty good thing. Now, back in Doriath... They're trying to figure out what happened. Yeah, they're tr- they're they're basically holding and uh, and Th- Thingol hears uh, you know that he killed that Cyrus was killed by Turin and he's like, well, I have no choice but to banish Turin forever and all this stuff. But uh, uh, Beleg actually comes back with a witness who knew Turin as a child. She actually taught him how to speak Elvish and stuff like that. Taught him in the forest. She happened sh- to be in the forest when this and when this, this whole accidental thing happened, yeah. killing went down. She nice, saw it. Nice coincidence. Nice coincidence. Yeah. Well, she's so. always she kind of loved Turin. Like she kind of fell in love with him a little bit. So she kind of followed him around, and uh, he kind of forgot all about her. Actually, sad. Which is sad. Sounds that sounds like natural love to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so they have a witness for the king, so the king understands that it was an accident, and he eventually the king comes to the point where he probably would pardon Turin if he were around, but Turin's gone at this point. Mm -hmm. And Beleg, being very close to Turin, Beleg more or less helped raise Turin for a good uh, portion of time. He obtained leave from Thingol to go and find Turin because he loves Turin, and he wants to bring him back and wants to make sure he's okay. Um, King Thingol says, that's okay. You go ahead, Beleg, go find this guy. And Belag does go out, and he finds Turin and the group of outlaws on the outskirts of the forest. Um, and ultimately, he couldn't convince Turin to come back, though. Turin's yeah. stubborn as hell. He's very stubborn. Um, but yeah, he decides not to go back to Dorath. So uh, Belag has no choice but to be like, all right, well, I tried. I, I guess I'll go tell Thingol you're not right. coming back. So he goes back, and he tells Thingol what's going on. You know, I found him. This is what he's doing, but he won't come back. He's stubborn, and since we can't get him to come back to Doriath, uh, Beleg is asking, hey, maybe I can just go and be with him and make sure he's okay and live with them. Will you give me leave to go live with Turin and these outlaws? 
And eventually Thingol actually does say yes. He, he gives him his blessing. And not only that, but he kind of helps prepare Beleg. He gives Beleg a sword. And he lets him choose. Yeah. And in Thing- King Thingol's hoard of, of stuff, he's got some really cool shit. Yeah, he does. He's got something special, a special sword called Anglikel. And Anglikel is a very special, very special black sword. It is black. It's one of the one of two black swords that was made by uh, a dark elf called Aeol. He was a really good smith. But black, this black but sword, uh, the sword, yeah, is, the black sword black is black. Just the color of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, so the blade it? itself is black because it is smithed from iron that quote fell from the from the heavens as a flaming star. So basically, so it's it was meteoric a, iron. Yeah, it's a st- it, it was a, a sword made of meteorite metal, and it is known to cleave through anything. All, it cleaves all through earth iron. down Neville, or what does it say? All earth delved metals. Yes. So this sword will cut through any earth metals. It'll cut through any armor. It'll cut through anything. Which I assume also means mithril, right? Oh yeah. 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 No, which for is sure. which is just a it's whole insane. new level. Yeah. Yeah. So this sword is something else. So anyway, Thing uh, Beleg chooses this sword to take with him, and then King Thingol's like, "Here, while you're at it, take the dragon helm of the House of Hador. This belongs to Turin. This is the the helm of his house. Yeah, we're not at trying least, to keep it. Yeah. Right? At least take it to him if you're going to be with him and let him use it. And so he does. So Beleg leaves with this amazing sword and this dragon helm." And re-meets up with Turin and the Outlaws. This is the same helm we were talking about earlier. It is. Yes, yes, yes. It's yes. the helm that was too big for Huor to wear, or Hurin to wear, because Hurin was was too small a guy. Which is why he got it got left at home, and why Turin has it now. Because otherwise, it would have been captured with Hurin. Right, because he wouldn't have been wearing it anymore. Right, right, right. So what's cool, other than that, the sword can cut through everything. Is there anything else that really makes it stand out? It's yes. black. It's well, black, and well, there's something. This sword does one thing that no other sword has ever done in Tolkien, and we will get to that. Does in the it destroy end. a ring of power? Yeah. No. At, so at the point when <laughs> I know Beleg we're not even at that age yet, but <laughs> so at the point when Beleg chooses this sword, um, Melian is actually there during this scene when he chooses to take this sword from Thingol, and Mel- Melian has a very ominous prophecy about the sword. She says, "Quote: There is malice in this sword. The dark heart of the smith." that made it still dwells within it. It will not love the hand it serves, neither will it abide with you very long. So she's like, really, you don't want this thing? Like, this sword's pretty cool, but uh, bad news but, bears. Yeah. Like, y- you actually don't want anything to do with this sword. But he takes it anyway, because he's like, well, this is really cool. It's going to be useful. So the sword doesn't, they're saying that it's got a sentient enough to not want to stay with an owner. Yes. So this sword has some form of sentience. Yes. Smart sword. Smart sword. Smart sword. Kind of <laughs> like my phone, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, when Beleg finally goes back to Turin again and meets up with him and his band of outlaws, it just so happens around this time, the band of outlaws comes across a strange character whose name is Meme. Meme, the petty the, dwarf. The petty dwarf. Mind you, He's not just a regular dwarf like you'd see from anywhere else who's really good with smithing and such. He's a petty dwarf. He's kind of like a feral dwarf. Yeah, they're basically feral dwarves. Uh, they said... Uh, Imagine a more like a gnome almost. Yeah, well, they said that they were like basically... They were probably descendants of people that were like cast out from dwarven cities and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like dwarven exiles. Mm-hmm. So this is a petty dwarf who's kind of a scavenger and lives on the land. Now, this band of outlaws, they're still outlaws. They're not the best of folks. They find this dwarf... 
and they capture him and they try to get stuff out of him, right? They try to figure out where he lives, if he's got any goods and whatnot. And there's, yeah, they originally they run into three dwarves and uh, they shoot an arrow at one of them and uh, the other two, so the two of them disappear and they capture Mim. Mim not being the one that, Mim was okay. They shot one of the ones that ran away. Yep, yep. Who happened to be Mim's sons. Now, basically in exchange for Mim's life, now that they have him captured, Mim begs for his life, and he says, I will allow you to come uh, live with me in my secret lair, my secret abode. And Mim happens to live in a place called the uh, Amon Rood. Amon Rood, which, which is, is the Red Hill. The Red Hill. It's a it's a random, really big hill in the middle of just fields, and on top there's some sort of red vegetation that grows, and it yeah. just glows I was, red. I always figured it was red, like uh, the soil or something. Was you think red. it was the soil? I guess I, I think imagined it was. The soil. It was I, I always imagined it was some kind of vegetation on top, but either way, either way, it's was the top red. of it is red. <laughs> I was <laughs> thinking line. as soon as you just said this, like like flat everything and then there's this huge hill with all this green and red on top like yeah just this awesome contrast it's beautiful it is really cool actually there's some uh, artist renditions of it we should throw some pictures up it'll be pretty cool yeah the um the cover art on the unfinished tales at least the version that i have is the amon rude right yeah we'll throw it up it's a pretty cool picture but uh, mim is like i've got a secret abode here in this hill there's like secret pathways to get up to it. Nobody really knows how to get there, and sure as shit, it's actually a really cool hideout lair. And he offers this lair to um, Turin and his outlaws to stay there. Yeah, and they call it Bar and Dunwith, which means Bar and Danwith, which means the House of Ransom. Ransom, ransom. Yeah, because he basically puts it up as ransom for his life. For his life. Mm-hmm. Okay. And which uh which kind of sucks is the the arrow turns out the arrow that they shot it hit, hit um one of Meme's sons and the the night that they held him captive um they held him away from his house basically his son died during that time. Yeah, waiting for his father to come aid him. Yeah. So they ended up accidentally killing well I wouldn't say accidentally they killed his son. Yeah, that they that definitely is, killed his son. That is a that's and a So sad when uh, Mim takes him to their house to be like here's this house that I'm giving you for my life and then he finds out oh, that they actually killed his son. son. Yeah. He screams and he tears his beard and uh, ouch. Turin, yeah. No, that's ouch. That's something that dwarves, the dwarves do, that. do. When they're very upset they tear out their beards. Yeah, they tear their beards. That's how you know when a dwarf is very upset they will yell and they'll tear their beards. And they just make you more angry though. Right. right. Well, exactly. Turin, like, Turin yeah. being a decent guy, understands that this wasn't meant to happen. He wasn't actually trying to kill the guy's son, and that he's helping him out, giving him his house. So he says, like, I will pay you in the way of dwarves. For your loss, I will, you know, treat you with gold and jewels. And then Mim is like, well, you speak like a high dwarf. You have cooled my anger. And he continues to allow them to stay there. And for a time... Hold on. For a life... They yeah. paid gold. It's a dwarf, dude. The dwarves. Yeah, dwarves. <laughs> yeah, it, it dwarves, man. It doesn't it, sit right with me, but all right. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't a hundred percent payment, but he was like, "It's cooled my it's anger. A start. It's, yeah. it's good enough." <laughs> yeah, just because th- the fact that he was like, "If I ever come into wealth, I will give you some." Just the fact that he said that and like swore an oath to it, um, was pretty big of him. So Meme was like, "Yeah, you sound like a dwarf lord of old." And Meme kind of had a good relationship with Turin. Um, he told him a lot of stories and stuff. And the thing that Turin never did was he never rebuked him when he so- spoke ill of the 
the Eldar? Would he would he talk shit about elves? Because would he normally? dwarves and elves, mm, not the best of friends. Okay. Well, he would normally, yeah, because I mean, he's an elf friend. Like the House of Hador, they they swear fealty to to the kings of the Noldor, and um and he was raised by elves. I mean, a dwarf. Mm-hmm. No, we're talking about Turin. No, oh, Turin is okay. raised by elves. Yeah, so where, t- where Turin is normally friendly with elves, he Turin kind of holds his tongue as Meme talks shit about the elves. Gotcha. Um, so at this point, they're living there in Meme's uh, secret abode, and the band of outlaws is still going around and killing orcs, but now they have this secret home that they can retreat to all the time. Hell yeah. And it's they become sweet. the area around there, the country land around there, becomes renowned as... The land of bow and helm, also called Dor Kurthal. Uh, Did I say that right? Kurthal, yeah. Dor Kurthal. The Dor land of bow and Kurthal. helm. Because it's known that there's a band of outlaws with somebody who's really good at being a bowman, a.k.a. Beleg Strongbow. Beleg Strongbow. And some guy that wears this crazy helm, the dragon helm of Dor Loman. And at this point, Turin starts to call himself Gorthal, the dread helm. Because... Orcs fear them. Dreadhelms? Dreadhelm. Yeah, the orcs are straight up terrified by Turin's because it's like it's got like a dragon and shit on it's it. It's a dwarvish like, helmet, so yeah. it's pretty intimidating. Yeah, it's pretty scary. Anyway, so they do a good job of clearing out dwarves around here, and they're they're living relatively decent lives at this point. Clearing out dwarves? I'm sorry, clearing out orcs rather. Oh, okay. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that would have been weird. That would that would have made any sense. Yeah, so they're going around, they're clearing out all the orcs, which are an obvious problem at this point in time. And uh, it becomes it's it becomes known around the countryside that this is the land of Bowen Helm, and if you're an orc and you try to go here, you're going to get killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have this 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 little heyday um, for a while until um, Meme one day is out gathering uh, roots or whatever the fuck Meme does, and he's captured by some orcs, and he says that he'll give up this band of outlaws, the Bowen Helm guys, you know. And he's like, I'll give up these guys, but you can't kill Turin. He doesn't call him Turin, but he's like, you can't kill their leader, basically, the Dreadhelm, Gorthal. And um, they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, all right. That, right. That sounds... Uh, yeah, so Meme being the petty dwarf continues to be pretty petty, and he just is like, <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, if you don't kill me, I'll give you these guys. Yeah, he's a little shit. And so... He's uh, capitalism at its finest. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. Hitting the nail on the head, <laughs> so that leads to the you know inevitable downfall of Turin and his band of outlaws. The orcs storm Amonrud, and eventually the battle leads all the way to the top of the hill because they're trying to get away from everything, and all of Turin's men are just completely slaughtered around him. Now uh, Beleg survives. Beleg is uh, was he part of the battle or did he get away? Who's this guy? Beland. Beleg. Strongbow. Strong, oh, right, Strongbow. Beleg Kuthalian. Now, Strongbow. Beleg Kuthalian uh, survives this assault, and after everything is said and done, so the orcs have killed all of Turin's men, and they take Turin, and they start, obviously, taking him back to Angban. Uh, Turin's pretty much fucked at this point. Uh, so Beleg, being the very good friend that he is to Turin, because they're, like, best of buds at this point, Beleg, Strongbow, and, and Turin, Turinbar. And so Turin... I'm sorry, Beleg follows this band of orcs to go save Turin as they travel north towards Angban. Yeah, and he finds uh, up against a tree, um, he finds somebody who he thought was dead. Yeah, Beleg finds someone else along the way. 
Um, but that turns out that's Gwyndor. Gwyndor has escaped from Angband. He was captured during the Nirnaeth. Uh, he was one of the lords of Nargothrond. He's an, he's an elf of Nargothrond, so he knows who he is. And everyone thought that Gwyndor was dead, but here he finds Gwyndor, who happened to escape from Angband, and they go together to go try to save Turin. Uh, Gwyndor is kind of a, a leader in that fact, because he, I mean, Gwyndor just escaped Angband. He pretty much knows the way back. <laughs> Not that he wants to, but they go and they find this band of orcs, and they find Turin, who has just been having a real bad time. Yeah, they've been torturing the shit out of they've him. They've been torturing Turin this whole time. The How? orcs have. They find, dude. They find him tied up to a tree, and the tree is littered with knives. So what? they were throwing knives. They at were him? fucking throwing knives at him. Yeah, brutal. Yeah, I mean, Turin is almost just delirious at this point. Like, he's just been forcibly marched and tortured and marched and tortured for, what, days on end at this point. But still alive. But still alive, because he's a badass. Now, one night, they finally, Gwyndor and Beleg, that is, they finally catch up with the group of orcs, and they get up to where Turin is. Yeah, and Beleg, well, he, first he snipes all the, the wolf sentinels. With a bow? With a bow. Because yeah, right. he's, he's Beleg Strongbow, Kuthalian. Snipes them all. With his strong bow? With his strong-ass bow. Strong bow. And, uh, yeah, so he eventually comes up to uh, find Turin, and they, they they basically pick him up, and they get the fuck out of there. They And they take him off. They can only get him a little white, because, again, Turin is huge. He's huge. So, so like, it's hard for, like, one, one of these elves just escaped from Angband. He's obviously not very strong. Mm-hmm. And then Beleg's super strong, but at the same time he's not going to carry this huge fucking like seven foot tall dude. So they get yeah they get a little they get a little ways away and they they cut his bonds. Now at this point, uh, Turin has still been kind of almost unconscious up until this point. So when they finally cut Turin's bonds, the blades. It's slips. dark outside. It's raining. It's thundering, and uh, Turin kind of loses his shit. He doesn't know who this is. He just thinks the orcs are still here to just right. fuck with him. Yeah, because he goes to... He, he takes Anglokel out and he goes to cut the bonds off of his legs and arms. And he accidentally... Accidentally cuts Turin's foot open. A little bit with the blade. Just a little. Yeah, Beleg accidentally cut Turin while he was trying to free him. So obviously Turin thinking, you know, these are the orcs. They're here to fuck with me. They're already cutting up my foot. Turin, being f- now free of his bonds, grabs the sword and drives it straight through Beleg's chest, his best friend. And, yeah, so he hits the ground. Before Turin even knows what's going on, Beleg yeah. is dead on the ground. And then and they he kills d- him out of reflex, essentially. Yeah, it's yeah. like reflex. Like, he's freaking the fuck out. And then the, they describe the scene. There's, like, it's raining and there's a <laughs> flash of lightning. And, and Turin he sees, sees the face of his best friend laying down dead underneath his own sword. And he just... And he loses it, man. He just goes into an absolute just delirious depression. And at this point, Gwyndor's sitting here like, what the fuck yeah, is Gwyndor going on? Gwyndor just saw all this happen. And Gwyndor's like, oh, okay, so we've got to get going now. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of bad people coming now. And so we got to go. Yeah, so this is one of the real bad things that happens to Turin. He kills his best friend. And... It's just like a, a series upon series of unfortunate events at this point. Moment of silence for Beleg. Let's, yeah, let's take a swig. A swig a strong bow for Beleg. Take a swig. Now that we've lost Beleg. I'm just going to say he deserved it. Wow. Oh, man. Nobody's ever deserved He it was less. literally like the most loyal of friends. Yeah. Too loyal. So Gwyndor and Turin, they, uh, 
they leave and they start journeying south and uh, they ended up at the pools of Ivrin. Ivrin? Right? Yeah. Pools of Ivrin. And it's, it's supposed to be kind of a, a magical place. And there, Turin's finally able to kind of release and he just weeps and weeps and weeps and weeps. But doing that, he, he kind he's released from his madness and he kind of comes to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so... Um so he so essentially after that they leave and they go to Nargothrond. Yeah, because that's where Gwyndor's from. So Gwyndor's well, like at this point, let's go back to Nargothrond. That's where I am. We can be safe there for a while. And yeah, so Nargothrond. So uh, Gwyndor takes him to Nargothrond. And the thing is, so Gwyndor knows who Turin is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Belek told him he was right. looking for Turin, son of Hurin. Um, but nobody else knows that. And so they get to Nargothrond, and uh, he doesn't give his real name. Obviously, he. Uh, he says he's Agarwain, son of Umarth, which means bloodstained son of ill fate. Yeah, he doesn't want anyone to know who he is, but he's still a dramatic motherfucker, so he's going to give himself a dramatic name. Yeah, and he has his sword reforged in the in uh, in Nargothrond. Right. So while there, he takes his badass sword and he has it reforged, which I guess I'm not quite sure what that means. Uh, but it makes it well. It said in the in the book. It said when he took it from Beleg that it was blunt, mm. like the blade wasn't sharp for whatever reason. Okay. Um, probably because it just killed its master. Maybe that could be it. Yeah. So uh, at that point, he has it reforged, and he also renames it. He renames it Gorthang, Iron of Death. And at this point, the Nargothronian smiths make it glow, which is kind of a, a Noldorian. A Noldorian uh, perk that they have on their on their yeah, weapons for sure. Yeah, they're they're kind of like glows. the way Sting glows. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it glows around the edges with it show it shows with white fire, as they say. So he gets all this this uh, this sword reforged, and they kind of uh, recoup themselves. He has a new name. Uh, Gwyndor's finally back to his home kingdom from being a slave in Angban. Nobody ever comes back from that. They didn't even recognize Gwyndor when he came back. Uh, Gwyndor's love interest, whose name is Findulas, who's king... Finduilas. Yeah, who's daughter of the king at this point. She barely recognized him at this point. They were in love before Gwyndor got taken, and now she barely recognized him. And now he comes back with this guy named... Uh, Arguin, son of Umarth, and she actually starts to get kind of a thing for this guy. She starts yeah. to have a thing for Turin. Obviously, not good for Gwyndor. He gets quite a p- he gets quite jealous. And this is he also uh, he refuses to call hi- uh, call himself by his right name, so he calls himself Thurin, which means the secret. Right at one point, uh, yeah, Findulas tries to uh, confront him. Obviously, your name isn't Bloodstained, son of ill fate. What's your name? And he says, my name is. Or no, he wouldn't tell her. So she's like, I'll call you Thurin, the secret. Mm-hmm. So that's another name. This guy has more names than I think anyone else. And then the uh, people of Nargothrond also called him Edanidel, which means man-elf, because he was in the w- means and strength of a man, but fought as an elf. Yeah, he was very elf-like for a man, because he was more or less raised by the elves. Now, obviously, getting frustrated with the fact that uh, his love, Findelas, is now falling in love with Turin, uh, Gwyndor gets pretty upset, and he gets pissed, and he reveals true Turin's uh, true identity to Findulas, 
and out of anger and sadness and whatnot, and eventually she tells that to her father, who is the king of Nargothrond, King Orodreth. And as soon as King Orodreth finds out who Turin is, well, it's a big deal. He's stoked, yeah. Yeah, he's stoked. He's like, well, we got, like, the leader of the House of Hador, who is not only alive, but here. Yeah, here in Nargothrond. And he becomes one of the king's most trusted advisors. Yeah, and he kind of, like, takes over the military. Of, yeah, he of becomes he becomes well-loved. Just like overnight? Not overnight. Over a su- He lives here for quite some time, years. Yeah. Years and years. And so he lived under his aliases for years. He right, lived he un- rarely goes by his real name. Right, right. Th- like, uh, th- one of the only times he goes by his real name is uh, is when they're doing the Bowenhelm thing. He goes by Turin, I think. I think so. Uh, oh, no. He's banned about Liz. <clears throat> no, later on. Later on, he goes as Turin, but we'll get to that. Yeah, so <clears throat> nonetheless, he becomes a uh, pretty big figure in Nargothrond. He's a big advisor, and he's trying to help them make the kingdom of Nargothrond a uh, a prominent kingdom. Uh, th- Nargothrond, they're, one of their tactics is kind of secrecy. They're more into like spies and like staying out of sight. The elves stay in the woods, and they're not really big into confrontation. Well, Obviously, Turin is a very prideful guy, and he's he likes to fight fighter. out in the open. Yeah, he's too. very he's very upfront. So he's like, "Well, let's make our kingdom known. Let's build a big bridge out front of our gates over that that river that we've got out front of the kingdom, and let <coughs> let it be known that this is our kingdom." And uh, he like like I said, he's very prideful. So they important point being, they build a bridge right outside the doors. Right, a of big cool bridge. A very wonderful bridge. It's beautiful. It leads right over the br- uh, river that was originally kind of their moat, kind of their yeah. protection. Is this like a big stable bridge or is yes. it it's a like big stone bridge. S- it's a big stone bridge. Big they call it the bridge. bridge of Turin actually. Yeah. Okay. It's a it's very beautiful. It goes over originally what they used as a protective moat, mm-hmm. but he's like, "Why do we need this? It makes it difficult. Let's be proud of who we are and make a bridge so we can get back <laughs> and forth." And they do that. Now, at one point, they get a couple of wandering elves into Nargothrond. Um, their names are Gelmir and Arminas. And they were originally, they were family of the original king of Nargothrond, King uh, Finrod Pelagand, who died in the story of Baron and Luthien that we talked about. Last episode. Yeah, one of our last episodes. Um, And they come in one evening and they bring warning to the current king. They say, hey, you know, we are elves that have been living with none other than Círdan the shipwright. Círdan! For a number of years, who uh, has the favor of Ulmo, the Valar of the seas and water. Um, Umo is also kind of like a Prometheus in that he's very pr- Umo of all the of all the Valar is very friendly with men and elves. He wants to help them. So Umo gives warning to these two to to Círdan, who then transfers this message to the two elves who bring it to Nargothrond, saying, "Hey, there is something bad coming your way." And the elves come to Nargothrond and they say, "Hey." King Ordreth, you need to know that there's a uh, a band, uh, a great host of orcs and other evil creatures up north in the pass of Syrian, and you should get rid of this bridge because this is not doing you any favors. Right. 
this is basically it's going to make it easier for these people to siege your castle, and they'll know where you're at because there's a bridge leading to right. Exactly. 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 So much for secrecy. Yeah. Well, I mean, they sort of abandoned that when they built the bridge. They did. Turin right. Turin made them abandon it as a policy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Essentially. Yeah. They they were all down for secrecy, and then Turin's too proud, so he made them uh, make that. But uh, Turin, once again, being one of the major influences on on, on the king, one of the king's major advisors was like, no, we're not getting rid of my bridge. Turin's a proud guy. So they ultimately don't heed the warning of these elves, and they send the elves on their way. And Turin's like, well, now that we know that there's all these evil folks, let's go attack them instead. And Turin leads an attack. So they leave Nargothrond with a host of elves, and they march to this, this army of orcs and evil creatures that they were warned about. And it didn't go well. No, they get totally fucked. They they get totally beaten down. Um, because little do they know, Glaurung the dragon the was with this host. Glaurung, the father of all dragons, was with this host and absolutely destroyed. One of the reasons why Turin was one of the only survivors of this of this raid was because he had the uh, dragon helm. Which yeah, they're super good at. Uh, Dealing with dragons, right? Yeah, dwarves and dwarves. Just a hat. Yeah, but they, see, the thing is, the they m- they make these helms uh, in the fashion of their forging helmets. You know what I mean? So like, they use them while they're working the forges. So like, they're really good at withstanding heat. Well, the sure, dwarves. But doesn't that, that, is. that just mean the that dwarves? Is, yeah. That his head is protected. I mean, well, he's able to like see and fight still, essentially. Right. So rather than being blinded, and burn out, you know what I mean. You're gonna, it's gonna distract you. So you it, it sure, ultimately, so he, the hel- the helm is one of the things that helps him survive. So he otherwise would be he'd be toast. Burned. Yeah, he yeah. would otherwise be dead, just like everyone else in his band. So really, he's like this smoldering charcoal of a human being, but with a nice, right. nice head. He nice definitely right. Yeah. He definitely <laughs> they did not win the battle. He was down, and this band of orcs and evil creatures and fucking Glaurung the dragon. They're now headed right back toward Nargothrond. They book it to Nargothrond. And oh, sure, they just defeated the main force. Right, and so the uh, folks in Nargothrond are like, oh shit, this dragon's coming, let's get rid of the bridge. Spurn the, yeah, get the bridge. Get rid of the bridge, we What can't. is a bridge going to do against a dragon? No. Well, the, the thing is, the dragon, the bridge is going to lead the dragon right into the doors of Felagun. So they were right. like, let's destroy the bridge at least, so the dragon will have a harder time getting right. here. but they couldn't. But they couldn't, because they made it too damn well. The bridge was too well fucking made. Fucking elves, they fucking made it to the Noldor, This man. bridge is too badass. Yeah, it's too it, good. It's a hindrance. Right, <laughs> so ultimately it's the pride of Turin being the downfall of Nargothrond. The dragon comes, books it over the bridge, and just busts through the doors, and Nargothrond is completely sacked. And now is, all right, so this whole time, Hurin is witnessing. Watching so every, everything. How much, everything. Uh, how much is he actually witnessing, though? Because, Tur- literally because Turin's not at Nargothrond anymore. He sees everything. But so he still sees it. Morgoth cursed him with farsight. He can see everything that's going on. Oh, literally everything, not just mm-hmm. what's happening with his children. Right. No, okay. literally everything that's okay, happening. Okay, but his focus is obviously... His focus his is, yeah. Right. I mean, you would want to see your family. Right, the right? point right, is right, to right. see his family get tortured. Right, what other story would he's be important this. at this point? Right. Yeah. He's seeing the pride of his son be the downfall of an entire kingdom. He saw his son kill his best friend. He saw his son accidentally kill another elf so far. Like, he saw his son get captured by orcs. Turin doesn't it's really seem like such a good guy anymore. See, he's, he, he's a he's a very complicated character, and he's my favorite character, Trevor. So, like, the thing is, he's very prideful, but at the same time, like, 
he I don't know, man. He he's Well, he's prideful and he's stubborn. So these are he's like very stubborn. These yeah. are two qualities that when mixed together do not produce good results. Right. And it, you'll yeah, and it 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 doesn't end well. So yeah, so uh w- they've sacked the entire city, right? Mm-hmm. Um pretty much everybody's being uh carted away as slaves. If anyone hasn't been killed, they're slaves. They're slaves now. So and, uh, yeah, Turin meets. Yeah, so Valor. Turin obviously runs back to Nargothrond too late. He gets there, Nargothrond has already been sacked, and uh, they're leading a host of slaves out of Nargothrond, the orcs are, across the bridge to take them back to be just thralls and be tortured. And uh, Turin comes up and he's about to intervene, but sure as shit, who's there? Glaurung the dragon. Glaurung. And he runs right for Glaurung and lifts his sword, and then Glaurung looks at him right in the eyes, and he stops and freezes him. Glaurung has... Petrified magic. him? No, it's magic. It's, it's magic. evil magic. So, uh, but, dr- but it's like petrification. Like, he yeah. just stops. Uh, yes, he stopped yes. in the strike. It's like, yeah, it's like right. a petrification he spell, m- and he gets stuck. Mm-hmm. And literally, they stand there with Turin holding his sword and Glaurung staring into his eyes as all of the people of Nargothrond that were captured get led away, including the king's daughter, Findulas, who ended up falling in love with him. And she's screaming his name. She's screaming his name as they're taking her away, and he can't do anything. He can't do anything So not only is Hurin forced to watch this torture, but Turin is forced to similar fate during these events. For this short amount of time. For this amount of time. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, this is like right in front of him, so I feel like that's a lot more intense. Yeah, so Glaurung actually places a... A spell on Turin, and well, he doesn't really sp- place a spell so much as he deceives the shit out of him. Yeah, he entrances him and deceives him, and s- and sows lies in his mind, and uh, he basically tells him, yeah, know, yeah, that Marwen and Neonor, his sister, whom he hasn't even met yet, are thralls back in Dor Loman, and mm-hmm. they're slaves of the Easterlings. He's like, I know you're concerned about what's going on right now. Well met, son of Hurin. Yeah, but. And- Back at your homeland, your mother and your new sister are slaves, and they they cry and scream in pain, and uh, because you've been such a good, since you've been such a good fight at this point, who's to say that us dragons don't have honor? I'm gonna let you go and go save your go save your family now if you never come back, basically. Mm-hmm. And he tricks him using his evil magic, and uh, by the time all of the slaves have left in Argothrond and there's there's no one left. He releases Turin and Turin books it back to his homeland. To Dorloman. To Dorloman to go save his his mother Or so he thinks and his sister. Yeah. He th- he's on his way back there. So he's under the dragon spell, just aimlessly running back to his homeland that he hasn't been to since he was eight. And the entire kingdom of Nargothrond is sacked and the dragon has taken all of the people that are left. And hey guys, guess what? That's uh, that's the end of part one. That's, that's where we're, where we're gonna, gonna leave you. That's where we're gonna leave you. Um, Turin is uh, crazed and going back to his homeland. So, so quick summary. This 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 Hurin guy in the beginning is forced to watch the misfortune of his children. Yes. Right. And so then Turin, through a series of rather unfortunate events, kills his best friend. Rather. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Accidentally, supposedly, kills uh, a dwarf. Right, uh, kills another elf. Kill, kills, an elf. Yep. kills an elf. Kills an elf. Pushes, uh, doesn't push him, but gets him to jump into a by a, accident, yeah. a ravine, if you will. And then 
And then his band of outlaws that he befriends gets killed. Through through his crappy All pride, he builds a, an unbreakable bridge. Yes. yes. Basically yes. <laughs> dooms an entire town. Like an entire stronghold of, of people. Yeah, they d- he doesn't even heed a blatant warning. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just like, and through through this prize, like, oh, this would be a great idea. Let's go hit them, which normally would be a good idea. Let's hit them when they don't expect us. Gets wrecked. His town gets wrecked. And then he's tricked into going to s- supposedly yeah, saving just, his family. Yeah, just run exactly. off. Exactly. Yeah. That's... That's evil magic if I've ever heard of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly right? That's what Galarum is I told you, that's I what told you this shit gets thick, Trevor. This shit gets real thick. You told me it gets sad. So far, it's not necessarily sad. It's just, oh, just it's, wait, it's like It's like brutal at this point. It's just, just like... Wait. Well, it's we're going to leave you folks at that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know this has been a bit of a long one, but we really appreciate you guys sticking through it. <laughs> this is our favorite. This is my favorite story. We love this yeah. story so much. Thank you so much for listening. Um, uh, my name is Danny J. We're sitting in with Trevor Dunlap. And this is Joel N. And yeah, have a good one, guys. As always, keep on talking. Aure and Tuluva.